0: This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. We're going to start off with a video, but before we just cue that video up, I wanted to just mention one thing. God has one purpose in mind for your life. And that is for everybody's life. I'm not talking about just you in this building. I'm not just talking about members of Christianity of one sect or another or all sects combined. He has one purpose in mind for every human being that has ever been created, ever been born onto this earth, and that is that he may bless them. He wants to enter into a relationship of blessing that each individual human being may receive his life, feel that eternal joy, that presence, that sense of being grounded, that sense of peace and transcendence over what can be very difficult situations in life that we all experience from time to time. God is there for you to share that blessing with you So when we talk about our series, now is the time we are talking about. Now is the time for God to share that with you, and maybe in a new way, maybe for you to be open to receiving that blessing and that joy and that new life in a new way so that you can thrive. Let's watch this clip.
1: 我就是他的手两只眼睛已经穿不使命了我們跟這個賈文齊一个重要的任务了就是像一名绿色的围兵
0: Let's just take a minute. You can talk about that. And what is it about these two guys? What do they know about how to flourish? Just take a minute. Feel free to text me. We're going to put the timer up. and A lot of wonderful texts are flowing in. Let me share just a few of them. We won't make it alone, but with connecting with others, that's what we do. I think that's part of what a church is all about, by the way. We make things grow together. I love the, the analogy, these, were, these people were living in kind of a wasteland, and they planted 10,000 trees together. Flourishing is a state of mind, reachable in the present moment, and I'd add reachable wherever you are in your path of life or the course of your life. It's amazing. We each have unique gifts, a lot of great texts. Thank you very much. So I want to talk about flourishing, I want to talk about now is the time, it's part three of our series, and living into life, discovering that you can have an inner sense of peace and satisfaction and forward motion no matter where you are in in the course of your life. So really we're talking about change. I think about those trees a little bit, and that if those trees are going to flourish, what do they have to be doing? They have to be growing, right? You can't have any living organism flourish unless it is growing, and that principle applies as much to a human being, no matter where they are in the course of their life, as it applies to a tree, or an animal, or even maybe our planet, organizations as well, same, same principle. They have to be growing, they have to be moving forward, and moving forward implies change. I would say, and to be realistic and truthful, the one inevitable thing that all human beings must face in life is that you are going to be changing. You're going to be changing. So then you might ask, well, why is it that we spend so much energy in our lives and so much time trying to preserve things the way they are and prevent change? When I look at organizations, and I'm somebody who loves to study kind of organizational management, especially in the nonprofit world, if I see an organization that's that's focused on staying the same, holding things together and preserving what it is, and it's all about preservation rather than change and growth, I would say that that organization is in the end stages of its life, the end stages. It's going to pass out of existence before long because nothing can stay relevant in our world unless they are constantly evolving, changing, growing, opening new doors, discovering new ways of service, And so it is, again, with the human being. We grow. Every day, we are different than the way we were before. Every single day, we have the opportunity to change. We are a little bit different. Are we embracing that change, or are we trying to fight against it and reject it? I think we can find great, delight, great excitement, and tremendous satisfaction as we learn to grow into the change and learn, and I think it is a process, learn to desire it and will it and really be present to it in a way that opens us up to spiritual living. That's a different way of being than what, if we're just functioning from our ego, it's a different way of being than what we would naturally be drawn to. I want to read a little story that comes right out of the beginning of Genesis. This is at the end of, you know, the Noah's Ark story that we talk about, this great flood, which is all symbolic, by the way. I don't believe that the world was covered by a gigantic flood for a long time and everybody was extinguished. But it's all symbolic about human existence. But it's still a story, and it's a great story. And at the end of the story, God comes in and gives a promise. And I think he sets this promise up at the beginning of the Bible because it's so important to what the Bible is all about. Let me read. God said, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Now, as I said, God is love itself. God has only one purpose in mind for all humanity. So this statement in itself is symbolic. It's not actually reflective of the deepest qualities of who God is. And then God says this. Well, the earth remains. Seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. Summer and winter. Day and night. shall not cease. It's talking about seasons. It's talking about change. It's talking about evolution and that the world is going to continue to develop and we are going to experience different stages of life We're going to have winter stages of our life. We're going to have springtime stages, summertime stages, and fall stages in our own personal experience with daily life. And can we then learn to appreciate those different seasons? You know, I lived, for example, for a while in Stockholm, Sweden. And when I was living in Stockholm, Sweden, we never had a day that was warmer than maybe 83 degrees. It was beautiful. And then I moved from Stockholm, Sweden, to the Sonoran Desert. I moved to Tucson, Arizona. And I moved in July. And that was quite an experience, I will tell you. I could not believe how hot it was day after day after day after day. I went from pretty nice, cool weather. You know, I'm Scandinavian background, so it's like my blood is tuned to that colder climate. But then I moved to Tucson. It was hot as the blazes. I thought it was going to die. And then after a few years of living there, you know, I was happy as a clam there. It was really nice. And boy, you know, the... The winters in Tucson are awesome. Summers, maybe not so much, but but that was a different season. And learning to go from, you know, being shocked and really hating the heat to really kind of enjoying it and going sitting outside on the porch as the sun begins to warm in Tucson in the summer, it's really, it's really a beautiful experience. And then from Tucson, I moved back to the East Coast. That first winter... I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to freeze it up. You know, it's a silly example, but at the same time, getting to the point now where I really enjoy fall, and then the leaves are gone, and November, and the rains come, and I really, really enjoy the gradual daily shift, the shorter days shifting into the winter weather. I love going for nighttime runs in the winter, where it's dark and I'm running with a headlamp, and there's just this sense of peace and quiet that I just have really learned to resonate with. And I wouldn't have experienced that had I not you know, gone through some of these other seasons in my life before. So, the only reason I bring that to mind is I think the definition of living life. As an angel in heaven to eternity, it's a a spiritual being, a human being, that has transitioned from this life to the next, and it's a person who loves to grow, who loves to experience change, and that change happens to eternity. It it never, ever ends. We have this uh, teaching in the book Heaven and Hell, it's one of the books of our theology, and it says to grow old in heaven is to grow young. To grow old in heaven is to grow young. Well, that's a little different than what we experience on earth, of course, but it is still all about growth, and that is the kind of change that I want to offer to you today, at least to think about and embrace So um, as my mother likes to say, it's always good to quote your mother from the pulpit where you're preaching. She says, you know, as you grow up and you start entering old age, life really becomes more and more about letting go. You let go of this because you can't do it anymore. You let go of that because you can't eat it anymore. You let go of whatever you did in the evenings because you can't stay awake anymore. So and so it goes. Until she says, you get to the big let go. You know what I mean with the big let go? Yes, you do. So I have a slide here, the big change we can put up here. And I just want to note this wonderful Woody Allen quote here. Yes, I'm not afraid to de- about death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. How many of us feel like that? Yeah, I feel that way too. And what I want to note about that is... um, Well, I I could put it this way. With all our wonderful medical advancements, medicine has done amazing things in the last hundred years, and yet this fact still remains. We still... Experience a 100% mortality rate in the human race. That we are all going to die at some point. Our bodies are not going to work anymore. And to speak biblically, we are going to fly away. The real us is going to fly away. But our bodies are going to die. And it's probably good to laugh about it a little bit. But I want to say that when we're talking about this, we really are talking about sacred ground. We are talking about issues that we need to look at because, yes, human beings often are terrified of death. I've never met somebody who says, I'm really looking forward to this death experience. It's going to be awesome. Nobody thinks in those terms. And there are so many spiritual, natural, relational issues that we need to confront and really deal with as we are you know, examining our mortality, getting closer to our m- mortality and working with it working with the death of loved ones etc. It is sacred ground because there's so much that goes on a lot of it is extremely precious and embedded within this whole experience and this is speaking from A New Church Live perspective, of course, but embedded within this experience is the idea that a person will live again, that you will continue to live. And in fact, if you think about somebody that you love right now and you just take a moment, hmm, you know, a grandparent that you were close to and you feel that love for that grandparent in your heart right now, I would submit that that feeling is a real feeling and it actually is a part of that person who is living as an angel today. That person is alive and that feeling that you have is a shared feeling. So while you're thinking about that person, here they are in heaven and they are feeling it too. They are feeling your love at the same moment. And that is a real living connection. It's not just made up. It's not just a memory, but it's an active living in the moment, now connection with somebody who is a beautiful angel living on the other side. And so I want to invite the band to come out and... We're gonna continue to look at this and I wanna look at, all right, so our bodies age, things stop working the way we would like them to work, things happen to our body relative to disease that we would not ask for, and yet there is a kind of new life that can come to us that is absolutely amazing And I want to talk about how we get in touch with that. Thanks. So when we think about a church, I think about, well, church is really an organization where we collect together to really process this, to to live into the moment, to begin a new life, to start living differently, to allow that inner spiritual life to start working within us as we start to transcend out of the natural world. And guess what? We need help. We don't do this kind of thing alone. So we gather in groups just because it's a natural function of what church does in order to live. So it's a processing thing and and we need to be together in a, communi- in a community. God said, uh, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Because we need to do this as a tribe, as it were, as a community. And so in Revelation, there's this story, it's this fantastic story with all kinds of strange imagery. You have the new Jerusalem which our corporate name is actually based on when you think about it, this new Jerusalem descending out of heaven, this golden, amazing city, it's in the clouds, and when you're reading about that, then you hear God's words, behold, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. Now that story was not to be taken literally, and I think if you lived in ancient Jerusalem at the time and you got a hold of this story and you saw it for the first time you weren't going to think oh yeah some new creation is going to come down out of heaven and plop on top of the old city and crush it and and it's all going to be all going to be good it was more look at this city it is decayed it's in poverty and there's something new symbolizing something beautiful that by contrast is absolutely amazing and you can have a piece of what's offered by that new transcendent city in your spiritual life in your spiritual reality so we could think about a new kensington for example or a new philadelphia or a new new york city or or whatever and it's not that one reality is going to replace the, re, the current external circumstances, but we have this spiritual reality that can gradually come down and filter and replace our conscious involvement and investment and kind of ownership of life so that we can think and operate from a higher level. So it's learning to operate not from our own ego, as it were, but God's ego, God's you know, divine, eternal, perfectly good ego. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer, for example, we say, thy will be done. Thy will, which is a form of ego, thy will be done. I'm not going to be operating from my ego. I want to be operating from your ego, and I'm going to learn to press the pause button, as it were, from time to time, and cue in on what exactly is that God will like, and how can I operate in accordance with that. So I want to put the next slide up here. And here we have kind of a text-heavy slide, and I just want you to look at it. It comes from the book True Christianity. If you happen to be present at last week's service, Jonathan Rose translated this very slide, which is wonderful, and I'm grateful for his translation. But he says, and we read this, what is the point of examining ourselves unless we recognize our sins? And what is the point of recognition of sins unless we admit those sins that they are in us? And what is the point of all these steps unless we confess our sins before the Lord, pray for help and begin a new life, which is the purpose of this whole exercise. And what I just want to point out here is in the context of this slide, you could say all religion is about growth, it's, it is about transition, it's about rebirth regeneration, however you want to say it, but it's really about processing a path of life that helps us ascend toward heaven and make more and more use of God's love, his wisdom, and his life in our daily existence. That's what it really means to begin a new life. I love the idea, and I'm going to keep this slide up here for a minute. I love the idea of when you say begin a new life, it really means not just go do something different, but it also means don't buy into the past any longer. If you recognize that what you have been doing was sinful, and I'm going to talk about that word in just a second, and you realize that what you've been doing was nasty and hurtful and it was destructive of life, and you begin a a new life, don't live in the guilt of the past. Don't live in the shame from the past. You should be released from all aspects of the past. And remember that the past actually has no reality. We are beings who are living in the moment. And anything that ever happened in the past is, it's just a shadow it has no real substance at all any longer. So it's learning how to be a spiritual being and really focus in that walk, in the moment, and no longer being controlled by events that had happened in your past, even if you had caused those events. Easier said than done, right? Well, that's why we have church every Sunday. So I just want to point out two things. One is the word repent and the word sin. These words are loaded words, right? You know, you expect people to walk around with the placards, you know, on the street corners. Repent, the end is near. You're a sinner. You're going to go burn in hell, blah, blah, blah. Well, just step outside of that stuff for a moment and just realize that the word repent, if you can take all of the heat away from that word for a minute, Just recognize that that word means a change in perspective. That's it. Okay, now you have the word sin, which is equally connected with heat and all kinds of feelings that are really associated with, I think, the abuse of that word, especially the threat that's behind, you know, that people love to uh, offer to other human beings through the use of that word. But if you look at sin as simply an ancient word that means you missed the target. All right, so you're an archer and you missed the target. What do you do? Well, get another arrow and adjust your aim. So repentance means change your aim. Sin means you missed. So every time we miss, what do we want to do? Change the aim. Do something a little bit different. See if we can get closer to the target and we're going to do that over and over and over again with our lives and we want to talk you know we want to talk to God about it because God with all his divine love and energy offers us help not only in figuring out where the target is but he helps us i guess steady our hand as we're taking aim and that's what the repentance process really is I think the one thing I would note about sin is that it's not entirely a word that is without heat, but that there is a stickiness to our own ego that causes what I might say is sinful behaviors where we are intentionally missing the mark. There is heat from our ego that lends itself toward bending us away from the target, and that's really why we need God's help involved in that. So it's all about, hey, now is the time you can just acknowledge, hey, I missed. What do I need to do? I just need to correct, and I'm going to ask God for help in that process. And so then I have the idea, well, what does new really mean? Because this, this to me, uh, really is powerful. I, you can put up the next slide there. Um, there we go. This passage really struck me deeply when I saw it. Um, I don't know for what reason, but it, it really struck me. This is what it is all about. That when you're talking about aiming toward the target, you're about aiming your behavior toward a target. And when you start adjusting your, natural external behaviors, what happens is because we are intentionally doing that, that opens space in our hearts for God's life to flow in, fill us with a sense of vibrancy, newness, satisfaction that we've never felt before. Every time we take a little step in this direction, we are instantly filled with something from God and it is powerful that's I can promise you that it is a, it is a change, it is a growth, and the reason I put this whole death piece into this talk is really, death is of no consequence in this context that this is the process that we learn as human beings that continues to support us and develop us and help us to flourish not just today and tomorrow and next year and ten years from now, but to eternity. And in the context of this constant change and learning to really live into this kind of change, death almost becomes irrelevant. Now, of course it doesn't become irrelevant. Of course it's a big issue. And of course there's going to be grief and all kinds of uh, emotional and love responses tied to it. That's never going to go away. But what I'm saying is, in the course of the big picture of things, we as human beings stepping more and more into what it truly means to be a spiritual human being is not influenced by that transition from one life into the next. That we are on the same course, the same path here that continues to eternity. And every step that you take is more filled by joy. And so we do experience seasons in our lives. But as those seasons progress, even physically with our bodies we become more aware of this growing, this blossoming, and this flourishing because we are willing to grow, thinking back to the film clip, as spiritual trees, that we are willing to continue to grow in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, through finding ways to live differently that opens space for God. Okay, so just to close this piece off, and then we're going to go into uh, the communion, and I'm going to invite you all to come down for taking communion today. But what I'd like to do is uh, just reflect. New Church Live calls itself a Monday morning church. And for me, that idea takes on a completely different meaning when we think about how every day we are trying to grow to be a little bit more spiritual a little bit more a little different so not only maybe are we becoming you know more of a monday morning church in that we're be able to take something that we can think about and use from a talk in our daily lives during the week and then we get something else that we can take and use and it helps people around us it helps being helps our community to function better it helps our external relationships to function better But at the same time, I just want to point out that this Monday morning church type of activity helps you to grow deeper and deeper spiritually. It helps you, as an individual, come into a relationship with God that every day is more personal, every day it's more intimate, every day it's more filled with peace, satisfaction, confidence, and all all those good feelings, you know, they all come in here. But it um, helps you to grow really to be truly more human and angelic at the same time. And so that there's this depth that's happening too. It's not just about what happens out as New Church Live meets the world, but it's about what's happening in your heart with God and that depth that gets shared with the relationships that you have. And so, to flourish, I think, is really symbolized by this wonderful ceremony that we have in Christianity that Jesus told us to do, which is called communion. And what we're going to do today is we have trays with, with wine and grape juice and bread, And we have a prayer team that's going to come down. You can, in fact, come down now if you would. And you can come down to any of these stations. You can take bread and then wine together. And when you do that, think of, when you think of the bread, think of God's love and the power of God's love that he's constantly offering you. And when you think of either the wine or the grape juice, think of the wisdom and the insight that God offers you. And and of course, this is a communion. And the whole point of this is, this is something we enjoy together because we need each other as we grow. We really do need each other. I need you. Uh, All of us need each other because you don't just grow in a vacuum. So I want to start this off by a reading from the New Testament where Jesus um, started the Holy Supper. And then I'm going to come down and I'm going to break the, the the bread and bless the bread and wine and invite you down. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And Jesus said, Go into the city, to a certain man, and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. And when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Amen. So just a closing prayer. Lord God, Jesus Christ, we thank you for your wonderful gifts of your love and your wisdom that are represented by the food that we have here today. We ask that you give us the courage to live into the changes that are before us, keeping us ever present to the love that is within those changes, helping us walk that path that brings us closer to you and your healing that helps take us toward heaven. Help us, O Lord, bring that love and share it with others in our communities, those who cross our paths, even unintentionally. Help us walk as angels on earth, O Lord, that we can also continue life as angels in your heaven. Now hear our prayers. Amen.